0: Can we give it up for Brian and Michelle one more time? Yeah, we, we love those guys and are so grateful to have them here at this church. And guys, we want to see that story replicated over and over and over again, that we hope for each and every single one of you that, that even if this is a new place, it feels like home. And we hope you feel welcomed here. Well, uh, my name is Josiah, and I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here At Trace, and specifically, my job is to help you do what Brian and Michelle just did, which is to take your next step in your faith. That over the last several weeks, we've been in this series called Disciple Shift, where we've been talking about uh, the steps in our faith, and specifically these 10 steps that we're calling our faith development track. And they're these 10 steps right here that you've seen uh, this graphic before, where these 10 steps are becoming a Trace luncheon, saying yes to Jesus, baptism, rooted. Giving to the mission, uh, getting in a group, serving on a team, our faith development courses, our Go mission strips, which we talked about last week, and then having a plus one, having somebody that you're constantly investing in so that they can come to know Jesus. And while over the course of this series, we've talked about a lot of these different steps, today we're going to be focusing on this one down over here, uh, which is getting in a group, getting in a group. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And the reason we think this is so important, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about why, is not just because we want as many of you as possible in groups, although we do want that. Uh, The reason is, is because we believe to the depths of our soul that as people, we were created for community. That we were created for relationships. That that at the very beginning of time when God, he, he made everything, right? He made the sea, the sky, the stars, the clouds. He looks at everything that he made after he finishes creating it. And he says, this is good. That he was pleased with what he had made. And he does that after every single day that he creates something. But then when he sees Adam alone in the garden without relationships, this is what he says. He says, it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And so God, he creates Eve so that they can have relationship with one another, so that they can have community that from the beginning of time, we were made to do life with others. And while a lot of things have changed since then, uh, this is one of those things that hasn't, that that we're still created to be in something that we call intentional community. And we're going to talk more about that today. That Eugene Peterson, he's a, a pastor and theologian. He says it this strongly. He says, I didn't come to this conviction easily, But finally, there's just no getting around it. That there can be no maturity in the spiritual life. There can be no obedience in following Jesus. There can be no wholeness in the Christian life apart from the immersion and embrace of community. And I love how he ends this quote. You should write this down. He says this, I am not myself by myself. That's true for each and every single one of us. That all of us, without exception, we were created for intentional community. And before I go any further, like I want to recognize uh, that for many of us in this room, when I say the words relationships or community or hanging out with other people, for all of us, that doesn't always bring like the warm and fuzzy feelings inside, right? That, That if I were to ask many of you to think back to some of your best memories, the best moments in your life, my guess is that for many of you, you would think back to a time where you were surrounded by people that you loved and surrounded by people that loved you. But at the same time, if I were to ask you to go back and relive some of your worst moments, some of the darkest seasons of your life, my guess is that it would be the exact opposite. That it were those times in your life where you felt completely and utterly alone. And because some of you have experienced so many of those moments in your life, if you were being honest with yourself today, you would say that maybe you're just a little bit more jaded towards people. Why? Because somebody who should have been there for you wasn't. Someone who should have treated you with love and respect, they didn't. Someone that should have told you what it looked like to live this life or guided you through some of the hard things that you've experienced, they failed to do so. And because that happened, guys, it's led you to maybe be just a little bit more closed off. Just have a little bit more walls, especially when it comes to building new relationships or being around new people. And while I wish that wasn't the case, While I wish those things never happened to you, it doesn't negate the fact that as people, each and every single one of us, without exception, we were designed to be in relationships with others. That we were designed for something called intentional community. And so today, I want to talk to you about why that is. I want to build a case for you about why we need other people in our lives. And so to do that, we're going to look at a scripture in the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn them up and turn them on. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And as you turn there, I'll give you a little bit of context about uh, this book. So Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament, and it was written by a guy named King Solomon. And King Solomon was considered to be the wisest and the richest king out of Israel's lineage. But he was also considered to be one of the wisest and richest men to ever walk the earth, especially in that time frame that he was this multi-billionaire entrepreneur playboy type guy. But he was still curious and observant about the world around him. And there was this one question that plagued his mind throughout his life, and it was one of meaning and significance. That King Solomon, he looked for purpose in every facet of his life. He looked for it in money and power and sex and work and pleasure. And he takes all of his findings after studying those areas and he puts them all in this book today that we have called Ecclesiastes that we're going to read today. And throughout his uh, research and throughout this experiment, he's going to adopt or use this phrase some 38 times, some 38 times, and it's the Hebrew word Havel. Everybody say Havel. Yeah. And in English, Havel translates as uh, meaningless. Now, he says it over and over, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, super cheery guy, right? But in Hebrew, it carries this connotation of like trying to catch the wind or trying to grasp air in your hand. And so over the last several years of my life, uh, I've had the opportunity to serve in the two to three-year-old classroom with the kids in Kids Church, and whether it's because we have the same maturity levels or they're just, you know, really easy to please, I love hanging out with them. And one thing I've learned about kids this age, regardless of where they're at in the world, is that all of them, without exception, they all love bubbles, okay, (laughs) that that you can flip on a bubble machine or you can pull out the bubble wand and these, these kids will come running. They'll lose their minds, right? And some of them are just shoving each other out of the way, trying to pop these things. And, and some of them, they, they like to catch the bubbles. Some of them just want to poke all of them before they hit the ground. And then some of your psychopathic children, they'll try to eat the bubbles, right? Um, I, was a, I was a bubble eater. But uh, whenever we see the bubbles, uh, whenever I see the bubbles, there's this magic trick. Uh, that I I perform for the kids because they love it. And so what will happen is I'll wait until the bubble kind of floats right down in front of the kid's face. And then as fast as I can, I'll reach out and I'll grab it in my hand. And now obviously the bubble disappears, but to these kids, you know, they just lost their most prized possession in the last five seconds of their lives. And um, because they get impatient, they'll, they'll start whining and crying. And then finally they'll convince me to open up my hand and I'll open up my hand and you won't believe this, the bubble's gone, right? It's, it's disappeared, and I'll be honest, their reaction's a lot better than your guys'. Um, because I've been doing this for some 15 years now, and every single time that I do, they lose their minds. And so I'll do it over and over and over, and every time it's the same reaction, it's the same result. And while we laugh about this, and while we think, oh, you know, that's so cute, you know, the innocence and the ignorance of these kids. Guys, as adults, man, we do the same thing, uh, that, that we reach out and we try to grasp things like significance. We reach out and we grab things like meaning, or identity, or belonging, or purpose. And once we finally have it in our hands, we open our hands up and we realize, guess what? It's gone. There's nothing there. And we've been doing this for years now, over and over, always with the same result. It's empty. It's meaningless. Guys, that's Hevel. And so at this point, Solomon, he's going to continue with this theme in chapter four, and he writes this. He says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man or a woman who is all alone. That Solomon, he's confirming what we've already talked about, that we were created for relationship. And so he's gonna go on, and he's gonna give us four very practical areas where community can benefit each and every one of us. He says this, he says, two people are better off than one, where they can help each other succeed. Second, if if one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone, they're in real trouble. And third, he says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. They can provide each other with comfort, but how can one be warm alone? And then finally, he says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, and three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And so Solomon, he's just described four very unique situations, four areas of our life in which community, intentional community can benefit us. He says this, he says, first, it it can help us succeed. Second, it can help us when we fall. Third, it helps give us comfort. And then fourth and final, it it can help us um, withstand the enemy's attacks. And so with the rest of our time this morning, all I want to do is go through those four areas to try to build a case of why I think you guys and why I need community in our lives. And we'll start with that first one of it helps us succeed. So before about 100 years ago, about 150 years ago, before trains, planes, and automobiles, before like same-day delivery was even a thought in somebody's head, uh, the primary way to get goods from one place to the other across the country was you would enlist a a very specific kind of horse called a draft horse. And these draft horses, they would pull it across the country. And what's crazy about these horses is is that they could pull uh, a large amount of weight, right? That, that is said they could pull somewhere around 8,000 pounds. Okay, that's, that's insane, one of these horses. Uh, for those of you that are visual people, I had to carry a refrigerator like a week ago. It's like 27 refrigerators, okay, that this, this horse is pulling across the country. But then what's crazier is they found that if you take two of these horses and put them together, uh, you would expect them to be able to carry 16,000 pounds because there's two of them, that's quick math. Um, But what they found is that actually they could pull somewhere closer to 24,000 pounds. So that's the equivalent of like six or seven of my cars being pulled across the country by uh, these horses. But it gets even crazier. They also found that if you took two of these horses and when they were really young, you harnessed them together and you let them train together you let them eat together, you let them play together, you let them rest together, you let them do everything together. When those two horses grew up and you harnessed those two horses together, that they could pull something close to 32,000 pounds together. That's close to a semi-truck with an empty trailer. That's insane how much weight they could pull across the country. That's the equivalent of four times what one of them could do on their own. Why are we talking about this? Because while this is true for horses... Guys, this is also true for humans, that we are better together, that Proverbs, it says it this way, as iron sharpens iron, so one man, one woman sharpens another, that this is true of every area of our lives, that the more people there are working towards the same goal, the higher chance of success they have in actually completing this goal. This is why there's cohorts and coaching groups in your careers and businesses. This is why there's group projects and team sports and schools. This is why for those of you that like to go to the gym, like statistically speaking, you can lift more, lift longer, and lift more consistently if you have somebody else there with you rather than going by yourself. That, that puts simply, people help people succeed. And we need other people in our lives in times of success. But if that's true in every other area of our lives, why would our faith be any different? That if we wanna be the kind of people that that, that have a faith, that has a faith that changes lives, that takes steps in their faith rather than uh, you know, drifting away from our faith, then we need other people in our lives with the same goals as us, especially when it comes to our faith. And so here in the church and this community of faith, like the questions we should be asking, the question we should be asking of the people around us, it's pretty simple, but it's this. Are these people helping me look more like Jesus? Are they helping me look more like Jesus? Like, do they celebrate me when I take steps in my faith? Do they hold me accountable when I take steps back? Are we sharpening each other or are we just simply existing together? Are we helping each other look more like Jesus? And if the answer to this question is no, it doesn't mean you abandon them. Like you can still be friends with these people. You can still do some life with these people, but they aren't the intentional community that you need. And they're not the intentional community that your faith needs in order to succeed. So that's the first thing is that intentional community, it helps us succeed. But the second thing is that intentional community helps us when we fall, helps us when we fall. So my wife and I, Jessica, uh, we love to watch movies together. And while occasionally that means I watch a chick flick from time to time, uh, one thing I love about my wife, Jessica, is that she is almost always down to watch an action movie with me. And uh, I appreciate that a lot, that while her second favorite movie is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, uh, her number one favorite movie of all time is The Dark Knight, uh, the Heath Ledger Batman. And I know she's pretty awesome. Right, I did pretty pretty well. Married up for sure. But in the prequel to that movie, The Dark Knight, there's this scene uh, where the young Bruce Wayne, he's running around chasing his friend, trying to get this arrowhead. And he falls down this boarded up well. And he falls to the bottom of it. And there's this moment after he breaks his collarbone, after he gets swarmed by all these bats where uh, his dad, he, he rappels down into the well and he picks him up and he's carrying him off. And he asks Bruce this question. He says, Bruce, why do we fall? And he answers it in a pretty profound way. And he says, so that we can learn to pick ourselves up again. And isn't that just so true for all of us? That all of us, regardless of who you are, regardless of your background, regardless of where you come from, all of us are going to fall. All of us are going to fail. All of us are going to find ourselves at the bottom of some metaphorical well. And in those moments, guys, we need other people. We need other people to help us learn what it looks like to pick ourselves back up again. That Paul, he says this has already happened to each of us. Romans chapter 3, he says, all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And what I've learned, at least in my life, is that when I fall, when I I fail, because I have one of two options, especially when it comes to how I treat other people and how I interact with other people. That, that A, I can either isolate myself from others, or B, I can invite others into my mess with me. But I know for me, oftentimes I choose that first option. That in the moments where I fall, in the moments where I make mistakes, in the moments where I yell at my wife, in the moments where we're in a fight, in, in the moments where I'm caught telling a lie, in the moments where I'm doing anything that I wish I hadn't done, Guys, in those moments, my first instinct is not to come clean. It's to run and hide. It's to isolate myself from the people around me. That the last thing I want is to invite other people into my mess with me. That whether it's because of my pride, whether it's because of the shame that I experience or the embarrassment that sometimes I feel, or sometimes it's just I don't want to put my problems on other people's plates. Like oftentimes, the last thing I want to do is invite other people into my problems with me. Instead, I isolate. Myself. But this is, a, this is a phrase we say around here all the time, and, and I believe it to the depths of my soul, and it's this that you can't hide and heal at the same time. It just won't work. And James, he says as much in James chapter 5. He says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. Like, does anybody want to experience some healing this morning? That I know for many of us in this room, many of us, the reason we don't do this more often is because somewhere along the way we tried it and instead of getting the help we needed, instead we got burned. That in a moment of vulnerability, maybe you opened up to somebody. Maybe you shared something with someone that you hadn't shared with anybody else before. Maybe you took a risk and you exposed this area of your life that you hadn't ever exposed before. And rather than somebody coming along and meeting you with both truth and grace, instead they just met you with truth. Rather than coming down into the pit with you and sitting in your mess with you, instead they just left you there to figure it out all on your own. And so rather than risking it again, rather than risking getting hurt again, instead of what many of us have done is instead we've constructed some walls that we don't allow people in anymore. And we made this silent vow that we're never going to let that happen again. We're never going to get hurt again. And guys, if that's you this morning, like I need you to hear me. I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry that's been your experience. But I also need you to understand that isolation is almost never the right decision when it comes to some of these things that part of having intentional community means we're inviting people into our messes with us. That if you wanna find healing, then you gotta stop hiding. That we have to stop isolating ourselves from others and instead allow others to help us when we fall. And so that's the second thing, is that intentional community, it helps us when we fall. But the third thing is this, intentional community, it helps us find comfort. Helps us find comfort. So several years ago, uh, before I came to Trace, I got to be a part of this high school boys small group with juniors and seniors, uh, high school boys. And my wife and I, we were working at a church out in Indianapolis and uh, had the opportunity to get to serve in their student ministry. And it was, it was a huge blessing to us. And I can honestly say this, and I hope it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings here, uh, but it, it was the best small group experience that I've ever had. Uh, like it, it was incredible. It was so much fun to be a part of that. We, we hung out together all the time. We ate together. We played video games together. We talked about real things together. We were open and vulnerable with each other. And as much as I I would like to stand on this stage and tell you, man, they learned a lot uh, from myself and Josh, who was the other leader, that just isn't the truth, uh, that that we learned so much more from them. That whether it was eating like $3 brownie mix uh, in somebody's apartment or playing football down at the park or just exchanging Christmas gifts, man, they did intentional community really well. And I can tell you it's that group that allowed me to make the decision to come out here and invest in students here in Colorado Springs. However, as is true with most groups of people that find something special, there was a defining moment for our group that, that allowed me to experience something truly, truly special, that while I wish it never would have happened, guys, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am that, that God used it. That after I had been a part of that group for a number of weeks, uh, our group, we experienced a tragedy together. That, that one of the boys in that group, he had a brother uh, that died by suicide and his brother who was in our group was the one who found him down in his basement. And guys, if you've ever experienced a tragedy like that, they, there are no words. That for that boy who found his brother the way he did, there's no script in that moment. That, that he had no idea what to do. There's no experienced wisdom to f- pull from. There. There's nothing to go off when things like that happen. But even though he didn't know what to do, I'm so grateful, guys, that he knew who he could call, that that if it wasn't the first call, it was the second or the third call, but he called Josh, the other small group leader in our group, and I watched as a group of selfish, prideful, high school boys, selflessly loved one of their friends, that they sat there and they took care of their friend. And they they didn't get there and tell him all the answers. They didn't share with them their theology of suicide. They didn't sit there and stuff Bible verses down their throat. They, They didn't sit there and tell him how he should feel. But most times they just sat together. Sometimes in laughter. Other times in silence. But they just sat there and provided some comfort to a boy that desperately needed it in his life guys while i hope you never have to experience a moment like that in your life or that specific moment in your life guys it's not lost on me that in a room this big with as many people as we have here that that people walk through those doors every single week carrying some enormously heavy burdens with them and like right now in this room i know that we have parents parents with children that are making incredibly poor decisions they're walking away from their faith. They're walking away from their family. And you as parents, sometimes it just feels like all you can do is sit there and watch. But then at the same time, I also know we have children in this room who are watching their parents become people that they no longer recognize because of a decline in health. And in the same thing, they think they can just sit there and all they can do is watch. If some of you, you struggle with anxiety Some of you struggle with depression. Some of you have been sitting in here this entire morning wondering when you can get out of this room so that you can end it all once and for all. Others of you, you know, you just broke up with your girlfriend and you showed up this morning and you're still wrestling through how that conversation went. Some of you are being abused by your boyfriends, but you decided to walk through those doors this morning. And I know almost every single one of us, we walked through those doors with a secret something that we carry around that we're not ready to tell anybody about our lives. Guys, every single week, people walk in this room and carrying some incredibly heavy burdens in their life. And they're just looking for someone to come alongside of them, put their arm around them and provide some comfort and do the things that we talk about in this room and do the things that scripture talks about all throughout the Bible. That throughout scripture, there's somewhere around 59 verses that tell us how we should treat one another. And they're often nicknamed the one another commands because each of them contain the Greek word anon, which translates to one another. And they say things like this, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Or they say, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Or let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives, teach and counsel one another with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. But perhaps my favorite one another verse, it's found in Galatians 6.2, and it reminds me of that group of high school boys that says this, carry one another's burdens. Guys, it's in this way that you fulfill the law of Christ. That one of the biggest reasons why we need intentional community in our lives is because we have burdens that are too heavy for us to carry on our own. And we need other people. We need intentional community to come around us and help shoulder the load. Now listen, intentional community, it helps bring comfort. That's the third thing. But the last thing I wanna talk to you about intentional community is this, that it helps us withstand the enemy's attacks. And for each of us in this room that call ourselves followers of Jesus, like you just have to know that there's a big red target painted on your back. That we have a very real enemy and he's coming after you and he wants to do everything he can to destroy you. That Ephesians 6 tells us this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, we're not fighting against each other, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places that while many of us, we choose to fight with each other, man, that makes the enemy happy because then we're not focused on him. That our enemy, he is cunning. That scripture tells us he wants to steal, kill and destroy your life. And he's always on the hunt. That he wants to do everything he can to separate you from the herd, separate you from the pack because then you're an easy target. That Peter says this about him, be alert. And a sober mind, for your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I'll tell you a secret. Most times, you're that someone. See, over the last week, I came across this picture that I think describes pretty well why we need intentional community in our life to withstand the attacks of the enemy. And so, if you can't see it, it's a lion that's chasing a zebra that's all alone while the herd is safely standing in the distance. So hold this thought. So as a pastor, uh, I have the opportunity to experience a lot of awkward moments, uh, a lot of awkward moments. And sometimes it's the moment of, you know, telling someone you're a pastor right after they've dropped like five F-bombs and told you all the girls they've been sleeping with for the last month. It's an awkward moment, Okay. Uh, another awkward moment that I get to experience is when somebody asks me to pray for someone or uh, for something and I don't know this person because I think that maybe because I'm a pastor I get better reception with God, right? I get 7G. That one's free. That one's free. Thank you for your pity laughs. Um, but perhaps my favorite awkward moment is uh, whenever people see me out in public and they haven't been to church in quite some time, and uh, I'll go up to them and I'll try to say hi and truly trying to be sincere, I'll ask them how they're doing, but almost every time without fail, they never answer that question. Instead, what they do is they start telling me all the reasons they haven't been at church recently. And so they'll say things like, oh, you know, it's football season and my kid is playing every weekend and we've just been really busy traveling up to Denver here and there, blah, 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 everything, Right. Or they'll say things like, work, it's been crazy, we've got deadlines, we've got projects. Uh, You wouldn't understand. And it's like, okay, uh, you know, get that. Or they'll say, you know, uh, it's raining, it felt like a good day to stay in, or it's sunny, it felt like a good day to get out. And I've just learned the perfect weather for church is overcast uh, with no rain, no snow, right? That everybody would be here. But every now and again, every now and again, I'll get somebody who, who will come up to me and they'll say something along the lines of this. They'll say, yeah, we just, we just discovered we don't really need the church anymore. They'll say something like, uh, you know, the church was asking us to do this or, or asking us to do that. And uh, I heard the pastor preach about this and I just didn't like how he said this or, or that. And we just found that, that, that we can find and follow Jesus without the church. And, and while I understand where the sentiment is coming from, like, like part of me just wants to say, hey, you know, you better be careful. Because from my perspective, you're starting to look like that picture you're starting to look like you're all alone. You're starting to look like you're becoming easy prey. Because while I'm sure that you can succeed without the church, while I'm sure that you can find someone else to help you up when you fall, I'm sure you can find comfort in other places outside the church, guys, I am sure that you will not get very far trying to withstand the attacks of the enemy without intentional community that the church brings that without the church, without intentional community, you become an easy target for our enemy. That we need the church. We need intentional community, otherwise the enemy can do whatever he wants with us. And maybe you've heard the phrase, a lone wolf is a dead wolf. And guys, that's true for us as well. That when we neglect intentional community in our lives, oftentimes we are putting ourselves in a prime position to be attacked by the enemy's schemes. And we need the church, or we need intentional community. Why? Because it helps us succeed. It helps us when we fall. But then it also brings us comfort. But then finally, finally, as the church helps us withstand the attacks of the enemy. And so I've just spent a lot of time talking about why we as people need intentional community. And I've done that really intentionally and on purpose. Because right now there are two problems that we foresee that are attacking the church that we want to be aware of. And the first one is what we've talked about today, it's loneliness. That right now during this season, loneliness is always at an all time high during the holiday season. But then just in general, people are becoming more and more lonely as time goes on. But the second problem that we foresee, and this probably won't surprise you, actually has to do with biblical literacy. That as people, we know our Bibles less and less as time goes on. That we are less inclined to get in God's word. We're less inclined to build a biblical worldview. And so I'll just tell you this straight up. As a church, we're not okay with that. As a church, that's a problem that we wanna attack head on. And so that's why coming this spring, we're gonna launch one of the biggest initiatives that we ever have as a church to put you guys in an intentional community, to build intentional communities that come out of this church so that you can experience all the things that we talked about today. That come the end of January, the biggest thing we're gonna do in 2024 is this, that over a 32-week period, we're gonna go through the entire story of the Bible, that we're gonna hit on all the major stories, all the major themes so that everybody can understand their Bibles just a little bit better so that we can better withstand the attacks that the enemy is coming after us with. But not only that, we want as many of you as possible to join what we're calling story groups. That while this is gonna be something that's happening throughout our entire church through those 32 weeks where we're gonna be going through the story of the Bible, it's, it's gonna be great in here on Sundays, but, but really God is gonna do some incredible things if you choose to join one of those groups. And guys, we are gonna be pushing these things hard that every single week we're gonna be asking you to get in one of these groups because we believe in this. And this is gonna be the biggest push that we have, have ever done as a church to get people to be a part of an intentional community at Trace. And so we're telling you this now because here's the truth. Here's the truth. Some of us probably need to say no to some things so that we can say yes to the right things. And what I'm telling you is that this is one of those right things, that we want you in one of these intentional communities for all the reasons we've already said this morning, that they help you succeed, they help you when you fall, they bring comfort, but they help you withstand the attacks of the enemy. And so we want you praying over the next two months, what would it look like for our church to have intentional communities that leave here on Sundays and get to experience something truly special throughout the week? And so you're gonna hear more about that come January, but we're really, really excited about this. And if you have questions about those groups, please come talk to me right after this out in the lobby. I'd love to talk to you more about that. But once again, I just wanna close with this that we were created to do relationship with other people, that we were created for intentional community. Why? Because it helps us succeed. It helps us when we fall, helps bring comfort. And finally, it helps us withstand the enemy's attacks. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. And God, for the times in my life where you've given me community, you've brought people into my life to help me succeed to help me in the moments where I've fallen down, to help bring comfort when I've needed it. But then also Lord, to protect me from the schemes of the enemy. And Lord, I want that and so much more for every single person that calls Trace home. That God, I know you want that for them as well. And God, over the next couple of months, I know people are gonna be praying about whether this is right for them or whether this this is what they need to be a part of. And so God, I pray that you just open the doors that you would make it abundantly clear that you want each and every single one of us in community. God, I pray today as we continue to just reflect on this for the people in here that are just absolutely lonely, Lord, I pray that they would find a family here at Trace. I pray that they would find a place just like Brian and Michelle, where a new place felt like home, God. God, we love you, and we're grateful for your son, Jesus.